Hi, I'm Andy Curtis, and I'm privileged to serve as the pastor at Pleasant Hill United Methodist Church in Florence, Alabama. Now let's open our hearts and minds to this reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Now hear these words. Herod the king heard about these things because the name of Jesus had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and this is why miraculous powers are at work through him. Others were saying, he is Elijah. Still others were saying, he is a prophet like one of the ancient prophets. But when Herod heard these rumors, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised to life. He said this because Herod himself had arranged to have John arrested and put in prison because of Herodias, the wife of Herod's brother Philip. Herod had married her, but John told Herod, it's against the law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias had it in for John. She wanted to kill him, but she couldn't. This was because Herod respected John. He regarded him as a righteous and holy person, so he protected him. John's words greatly confused Herod, yet he enjoyed listening to him. Finally, the time was right. It was on one of Herod's birthdays when he had prepared a feast for his high-ranking officials and military officers in Galilee's leading residence. Herod's daughter Herodias came in and danced, thrilling Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the young woman, Ask me whatever you wish and I will give it to you. Then he swore to her, Whatever you ask I will give to you, even as much as half of my kingdom. She left the banquet hall and said to her mother, What should I ask for? John the Baptist's head, Herodias replied. Hurrying back to the ruler, she made her request. I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a plate right this minute. Although the king was upset because of his solemn pledge and his guests, he didn't want to refuse her. So he ordered a guard to bring John's head. The guard went to the prison, cut off John's head, brought his head on a plate and gave it to the young woman, and she gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard what had happened, they came and took his dead body and laid it in a tomb. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Damon was 10 years old. He remembered going to church every Sunday and coming home to a meal, a meal of roast potatoes and carrots. They had this meal just about every week because his mom could put it in the oven or the crock pot when they left for church and it would be ready for them when they got home. It was a simple meal, really. Nothing flashy. Roast, potatoes, and carrots. However, as the family sat down at the table together to share in this meal, they would talk about what they learned in Sunday school. They would talk about the pastor's message. They might even talk about what people were wearing in church that day. They would talk about their week. They just spent time together talking. They would feast on their simple meal, and they would grow together as a family. The Sunday afternoon banquet was simple. And it was life-giving to Damon and his family. It was the best of banquets. Still in his 10th year, Damon and his family scraped together enough money to go on a family vacation, and they chose to go on a cruise. On the next to last night of the cruise, everyone was to wear their best outfit, for this evening was to be the captain's banquet. It was a magnificent banquet. It was a feast full of pomp and circumstance. Damon feasted on escargot and duck a l'orange. Everyone looked beautiful and fancy in their clothes, feasting on exotic foods and 
drinking the finest of drinks. It was magnificent. It was an expensive feast. It was far removed from the simple Sunday afternoon lunches that Damon was used to. At this captain's dinner feast, other things were different, not just the extravagance of it. It was not just Damon's family sitting at the table. If you've ever taken a cruise, you know that they sit multiple families and guests at the table. Damon and his family didn't have the opportunity to invest in one another because of other families sitting at that table, a couple of which were two girls in their mid-twenties who had just finished their collegiate studies. These girls seemed to attract the attention of Damon's dad, and it seemed as though they were flirting, but nah, that couldn't be. Later that evening, after the feast had run its course, Damon's mom discovered Damon's dad in the room with those two women. As you can imagine, irreparable damage was done to the family that night. Though the feast was extravagant, it was far from life-giving. It was life and relationship taking. It was the worst of banquets. Though the names in this story have been changed, I assure you that it is very much a true story. It is a tale of two banquets that remind us that sometimes the best is also the simplest. Herod had a banquet. It was a birthday feast, literally fit for a king. It was full of pomp and circumstance. The best of the best were in attendance, and they were dressed in their absolute best. The food was great. The drink was flowing freely. The decorations were magnificent. And in the midst of the banquet, a young woman dances before the assembly. Her display captivates Herod so, and he offers up to have his kingdom to the maiden for her talented display. And after consulting with her mother, she makes a request, I want John the Baptist's head on a plate. You see, even though the banquet was extravagant, it was not life-giving. In fact, for John specifically, it was life-taking. It was the worst of banquets. Immediately following Herod's banquet in Mark's gospel, Mark tells us of a different banquet, another king's banquet, a banquet that is offered by King Jesus. King Jesus decides to host a banquet of his own, and it is a very simple banquet. Though lots of folks did attend, you know the story, upwards of 5,000 people came to this banquet. The meal was simple bread, and fish. But there was plenty to go around, 12 baskets of leftovers to be exact. Those who attended sat in groups and they enjoyed each other's company. They talked, they invested in one another. The decorations and the scenery around them was God-painted. It was the natural landscape and it was the green grass upon which they sat. Everyone who attended King Jesus' banquet that day ate until they were full. Though the banquet was simple, it was life-giving to everyone in attendance that day. It was the best of banquets. Herod's banquet and King Jesus' banquet remind us that sometimes the best is also the simplest. We live in a complex world, a world of extravagance, 
a world that tells us over and over that more is better, but I challenge you to remember that sometimes the best is also the simplest. Because it's not the extravagance of the banquet that counts, but the life-giving grace with which it is infused. I'll say that again. It's not the extravagance of the banquet that counts, but the life-giving grace with which it is infused. A few examples. Sometimes life-giving banquets of ministry looks like God's people handing out sausage biscuits at the local homeless shelter or missional church. Everyone goes home full. That's a king's banquet, and that is ministry. Sometimes life-giving banquets of ministry look like God's people whipping up big plates of spaghetti or here in our corner of Florence, Alabama, chicken stew and taking it out to our homebound and sick members of our congregation so that those who are often forgotten are reminded that God loves them and so do we. That's a king's banquet and that's ministry. Sometimes life-giving banquets of ministry look like God's people simply taking time out of our busy schedules to sit and have a simple and intentional meal in a corner booth somewhere with someone who is struggling with life's issues. Those who are hurting are given a safe space to share and process all that they're going through. And by our presence in that holy space, they're reminded that the King of Kings is walking with them. That is a king's banquet, and that's ministry. Sometimes life-giving banquets of ministry happen around a simple meal of bread and wine, where Jesus bids all to come to the table and feast upon his grace, a table that is open to all people so that anyone and everyone might come and encounter God's overflowing grace. That is a king's banquet, and that is ministry. You know, I dare say that God's people, and specifically the people called Methodists, have always done good ministry around tables. It's just kind of in our DNA. It's it's who we are. I'm convinced that many a person has encountered God's goodness while enjoying the humble goodness of a Methodist potluck. The reason I think for this is because we know that it's not the extravagance of the banquet that matters, but the life-giving grace with which it is infused. So as we go forth into the world to love and serve God, may we do so with the reminder that sometimes the best is also the simplest. For in these simple moments, these simple meals, these simple encounters, we can literally become For the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. By meeting others in their time of need. And it is in those simple and intentional meetings that the Savior continues to reach out and extend overflowing grace to all who partake. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.